Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode five of the Nichols College Esports Podcast, hosted by Tim, Steve, and Brandon. All right, and we have a, a whole host of topics to talk about today. Um, we're just kind of going to go with the flow today, right? You know, we're just going to take it easy. No special guests, no nothing like that. We're just going to look over some esports news and whatnot, talk about some things that have happened most recently in the past couple of days uh, with the Overwatch 2 announcement and the Courage JD to YouTube announcement. And then we have a bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about. So we're just going like, to get right into it. Does that sound good with you guys? Definitely. All right. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is uh, the Intel Extreme Masters Katowice 2020. They're adding a $400,000 StarCraft II tournament to the already existing uh, CSGO tournament that is worth $500,000, which with this whole thing, like the, when I saw this article, it, it kind of piqued my interest because you, th- you look at it and you, know, you already knew that like the whole Intel Extreme Masters is basically just Counter-Strike mainly. But I feel like it's it's cool. It's a cool effect to add a a completely different game to like the tournament in general, and it kind of adds like that cross branding appeal, especially in like like when the organizers are coming up with the idea for the tournament. Yeah, I mean, um, this to me sorts of sort of creates it into that sort of cycle with Comic Con, TwitchCon. Like it brings all the brands together and sort of sort of makes gaming collectively just together and feels more tight and not you know this game is this game and that's a game that game and it separates them completely this sort of brings them back together sort of like what twitch does and uh everything like that i feel like yeah i agree with that um like with the whole like comic-con thing like i do know that they have like actually this was announced at blitzcon 2019 where they had the uh, Overwatch World Cup and the Hearthstone Global Finals and then uh, a bunch of competitions for World of Warcraft and I, I guess this is like the 10 year anniversary of StarCraft 2 I've never played StarCraft I, I I guess I'm too young to be playing it I don't know like, I, I, I've actually read about it and heard about it before and I honestly don't know if I could be that strategic for that long of time period just sitting down um, playing that game don't sell yourself short, Steve. Come on. I mean, you're the guy that sits at your uh, desk and just plays Formula One for 45 to an hour just burning your eyeballs. That's true. We need to have a topic about Formula One esports. Did you know that it's a thing? Uh, Of course not, no. Because yeah. I didn't even know that it was a game, to be honest. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I'll go and I'll touch on this a little bit. I was watching it um the other day on YouTube, and I was like, wow, like this is a real thing. Like, There's actually... like um. F1 esports drivers that are like competitors that are like sim racers for actual Formula One teams. Like, that's pretty crazy. That definitely is. Yeah. I wish I had my steering wheel at school because I would so love to use the steering wheel much more than a controller. I mean, yeah, it makes it a lot easier and more realistic in that fact do you have well, do you have the full braking factor too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the <laughs> I, I got the pedals too. Shout out Bert for giving me all that for free. Just throw that on some Rocket League gaming, too. That would be impossible. <laughs> Trying to drive with a steering wheel in Rocket League, that would be impossible. That should be a thing. Are we, are we making a game? Yo, Psionics, hit us up. We'll have some dope ideas that we can add to Rocket League. It's almost like a VR. <laughs> that would be wild. I, I'm sure that there is VR out there that's, you know, car car racing or anything like that. But that would yeah, be racing. wild. 
That's basically what Formula One is. Yeah, but you're not jumping in the air and hitting a ball in the air. Well, no, (laughs) of course not. But that might get you a little bit sick. Yeah. All right, let's get back on the topic of this. So I guess what I wanted to talk about, like the main idea of what bringing up this article is, um, the the potential for having two or more games at a tournament at once. Like, what do you guys think like that would do, especially for like esports, like trying to add to the fuel to the fire so be it if like making like three most like popular games all in one weekend and just kind of make like a massive video game tournament weekend well i think advertising wise it'd be huge i mean you have three different demographics all either attending the same event or watching the same event so you have all these different demographics that you can target and and even if it wasn't the biggest games if it was two smaller games that combined together just because they're not really that popular and then you combine them and then they get that million viewers or or whatever I don't know what the statistics are for these live events but something like StarCraft who which is like an older game and it's been in the esports industry for about as long as esports has been a thing and it's not really like we don't know what it is we don't really know what it is so something that small like that that combines with such a, a large game either put it back on the map or just keep it relevant. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I remember reading some stuff over the summer on actually StarCraft, which was very, very interesting, um, not knowing the game at all. It For the percentage of its actual gamers and fans, like it has most of the people watching it that play the game. Like It's a huge percentage. But the thing is that that percentage of people that actually play the game isn't that big in comparison to you know um call of duty or anything like the really really big games that we all know and that's why it isn't that big i would like to play like devil's advocate with both of you because like uh, especially what brendan said and like it kind of covers all the demographics of these games where if you have like an overwatch one and then you also have counter-strike at the same event and then you have like Rocket League at that event, for example. Like, I granted those probably will never happen, but yeah. just for like the, the sake of the example I'm giving. But like, if you have like you know that like the younger audiences are there for the Rocket League, but the, but like, would their parents be like willing to have them stay for like say the the Counter Strike portion of the tournament? Because I don't know if they'd be wanting like their ten year old, eleven year old sons or daughters to be like watching Counter Strike because it's kind of a like rated m game so i mean i think that comes down to like that's more like an event coordinator kind of deal like do you have do you sell tickets for the rocket league tournament and then for the counter-strike tournament you show up at this time you can you can use this ticket as valid at this time you can get in the gates or or is it for the whole event do you buy the ticket for the entire event yeah i i can see how that makes sense because it's kind of like um i'm trying to think of like what is like an example of it where it's like you can either pay for the whole weekend and all of the tournaments, or you can pay for a certain game, and that right. ticket grants you access to this arena at this time. Well, that's that's just basically like any con that's out there. You, you can pay for the specific day that you want to go to because whatever streamer or you know Comic-Con thing that's out there, you can pay for that day and go to it. Or you could get the whole package and just go for the whole weekend. You know, It's, it's the same sort of deal, I feel like. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think what Brendan said, it ultimately comes down to what the coordinators want to do. If they want to make it so it's not all of that 
difficult operation stuff and pricing and everything like that just make it so the tournament sponsors or the people or the games that are attending the tournament are in line with each other and they're all kind of like the same idea right and that i was just going to bring that up that also has to come down with the companies the game the developers if they don't want to be associated with these other games like if if let's say blizzard doesn't want to be uh involved with psionics then they're probably not they're not going to either partner up and to begin with and have the same event or they're not going to allow somebody to buy a ticket from blizzard to go watch overwatch and watch psionics yeah that, that makes sense i i can i can definitely see that steve i know you wanted to say something just yeah like um basically just going on the same point uh you know people have those brands and they have partnerships with companies already like intel and csgo or um blizzard and any whatever company that they're with so it does make it a little bit harder to put it all together which i mean that's esports it's hard to put everything together already because everyone has their own partners and their own contracts and no one wants to do anything without getting compensated and it does make it a lot harder but at the end of the day once it comes down to it if you want to expand it you're probably going to have to give up a little bit to get more like if you were to take maybe there are huge percentage for demographics for rocket league that would be perfect for CSGO or perfect for Overwatch, whatever it is, and you want to create an event that makes the Rocket League people stay to watch that Overwatch game, so you have something that's like Overwatch is the beginning game, and then Rocket League is after, and they have to come in at this point in time, doors open at this point in time, so they have to come and watch that game and be there, and sometimes just people in general will get that feeling that they it opens at t this time. Like I want to make sure I'm there in, in the atmosphere. Like I can meet people, whatever it is. And they could just go and do that. And it could help. Could help. Yeah. I, I ultimately do feel like it comes down to the event organizer wanting to involve like certain games. Like I feel like they don't really want to stray too far away from the, the ages and like demographic of each game. So like, I feel like games like overwatch and rocket league would be good paired together and call of duty and counter-strike i mean get then again like but like that just ultimately comes down to the um the developers wanting to pair up with other developers like the one like real possibility that i can see is call of duty and overwatch right now being paired together because they're part of the same umbrella and they their leagues are going to be basically identical so like the the format structure of like the leagues and like the organizers that like plan these different tournaments it would be it would almost be perfect to have both of those games in one area and it will draw a huge amount of attention and especially even making it like the like for example what what are the two teams Overwatch has the Dallas Fuel and then they also have the Dallas Empire and Overwatch and Call of Duty respectively so why not have like a, a Dallas tournament hosted by the fuel and the empire and then ultimately that will draw a lot of attention to both games because of course it attracts the dallas area but it also feeds into twitch viewers and other streamers and stuff like that on different platforms i mean it's something to think about definitely obviously we're saying this at our end obviously hopefully that they're thinking that at their end too because you know mass marketing like that does happen out there a lot connecting with different companies and i mean 
I'm sure at one point in time they're going to be smart enough to do it. Yeah. I think um I think it would be a good idea and ultimately I think it's something that should be looked into because it can provide a lot of exposure for those esports in general. I guess um uh one thing that I kind of wanted to segue on when I spoke about the uh the uh streamers on different platforms is courage today, I think. I don't know when the stream starts or whatever but is going to be exclusively streaming on YouTube. Thoughts, gentlemen? It, go ahead. I mean, personally, I, I kind of saw it coming. You can, there's going to be a huge wave of large streamers moving away from Twitch. And I don't think it's necessarily because of Twitch and what they've done. Sure, that might have some, some bearing on some people, their policies, whatever. But I think it's mostly down to the fact that with somebody like Courage or Shroud or Ninja, they they have these contract deals that they sign for this amount of money, this amount of years, no matter what. Now, somebody like Courage doesn't have to stream six hours from the morning and eight hours a night. He doesn't have to stream 13 hours a day just to make his money. He has his money, and he he could, he could stream for eight hours a day because he likes to, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to put in all those hours and... With him going to YouTube, he it makes making uh, videos for himself way easier. I think that's pretty interesting. Not, I never really thought about that point, to be honest. Um, I th- feel like it's it was very very just. We we both watch you you watch Courage as well, right? Yeah. We all watch Courage. Like we know what type of character he is. Very very out there type guy, which is amazing, and it makes for good content. And that's the thing, like, if you watched his video, his lead up to saying, you know, I'm going with YouTube instead of Twitch, it, he was like, I want to expand, I want to do more than just gaming, just streaming, whatever it is. And he wants to actually create content, which I feel like YouTube has always been that avenue for a lot of people. You know what I mean? It just is very, very open, like everyone searches everything on there huge development unlike shroud and ninja courage still has a page on twitch so i think that's that's not going to last very long no yeah i think think it's just a transition period with that but um yeah like i think it was inevitable for him and i mean everyone has their own ideas like maybe shroud and ninja went over for the money and just the exposure and sort of didn't want twitch to be in a monopoly whatever i don't know what they're thinking is Mostly probably the money. Um, but, you know, everyone has their own ideas. Everyone has their own thing that they want to do. I think Courage went specifically to YouTube because of just the person that he is. It fits his mold. I think um, one thing, another reason why he went to YouTube was because he's good friends with Fwiz. And Fwiz is the head of YouTube gaming. And, like, Fwiz was involved with commentating way back in the day like black ops 2 and all that for call of duty so they they've known each other for god knows how long they started to do that minecraft world with uh hex and nade shot so i think these this was has been in the talks for a while and i know that fwiz is going to be like looking for somebody that is a, a crowd drawer if you will especially in courage and um if you think that courage also didn't get paid to come to YouTube gaming, then that, yeah. So, like, I think that because Twitch wasn't 
particularly paying people. Like obviously they were because they can get money from it, but you can get money from Mixer and you can get money from streaming on YouTube. So I think that Courage definitely got paid obviously a little less I would think than Shroud and Ninja, but he definitely still got a decent chunk of change from switching over. And also like what you said, Brendan, with the um in regards to streaming all the time. Like the Twitch's model is a bit flawed in that way because what you can lose subs like every day if you don't stream. Like that sucks. Like streaming like you can you can stream for three months every single day, maybe even more like six months every single day, and then you don't stream for a week and you lose like a third of your subs. So I mean I see how that is like a, a flawed strategy almost because that almost keeps people from not coming back and going to a different platform. And I think YouTube is perfect because your subs are your subs. You don't lose them unless somebody unsubscribes from you. So it's just like you're always viewing, the same audience is always viewing you and you're not losing any subs. And subs is basically how like most Twitch streamers make their money. I actually didn't know that that was their concept on Twitch. I didn't, how, how do they lose sub? Like that doesn't make sense. Well, do you know how like in streams when um, the subs pop up like all the time? That's someone like resubbing yeah, or like yeah, yeah. subbing new. So like every day, like it all depends on like the month that they sub. Yeah. Somebody could sub like say today's the fifth. Somebody could have subbed October fifth, and then their sub is up, so they resubbed. But then tomorrow they could be another like fifty more people that hadn't subbed. But if you're not streaming that day, then you won't get those subs back because they won't think to resub to you. Yeah, it is. I I have like subbed to some people. Um, you know, using the Amazon Prime because I'm not trying to pay, obviously. And I always found it weird that they didn't automatically update your subs. It, it's just a weird concept. I get for like money standard, like actual money. But like if you're using Amazon Prime and you're specifically on that person, it just makes sense to keep it on them. It doesn't like why? Why do you need to have someone have to resub? Like maybe it's that ploy to, hey, you need to come back on the site. But I don't know. It might be that way. I uh, I hadn't looked at it like that before. And because Amazon owns Twitch, right? Or the, yeah, 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 they own Twitch. It's also another um, exposure tool for Amazon because you have Courage who had, what, like 40 plus, 30,000 subs, maybe a little less. Around that, yeah. And he plugs Twitch Prime all the time when he was streaming on Twitch. He plugged it all the time, probably every 25 minutes. And you have you when he did it, he got I don't know 150 subs just off the bat, just like that. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think like with that whole thing with like not being able to stream, like I remember seeing like because I I watch I don't really watch Courage's stream too much, but mm-hmm. I do watch his YouTube highlights. And like one thing that I noticed is like I always like pay attention to how many subs he had. And one day I think it was um most recently he went to Japan for like a week and he yeah. didn't stream at all. Like, before he left, he had, like, 20,000 subs, and he came back, and he had, like, 11,000. Like, he lost nearly half his subs in one week. That's crazy. Because he just wasn't streaming, and then he lost all of them because people would forget to resub to him when they, when the opportunity arose that they needed a, a resub. Yeah, and then, and then that, that, like, almost forces these streamers to stream every day, maybe twice a day. Like, these big streamers always usually stream twice a day. And that's crazy. You got you to look at your physical and mental health at that point. Yeah, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> Maybe we'll have Nick come back in and talk about that one. Um, so what do we want to talk about now? 
Um, I'm feeling a little bit of uh, Overwatch. Ooh, okay. I mean, we we discussed Overwatch a little bit, just throwing its name out there. But uh, tell me what you guys think about Overwatch Two. I will go. Um, I do recall myself saying last pod that I didn't think Overwatch needed a sequel. I was um completely shocked to see that the game actually looks really good. I thought it was just going to be... I mean, technically it is just a reskin of the game, but a lot of the characters look a little different, and I actually thought that they weren't going to use any of the Overwatch 1 characters in the game. So I am happy that they're keeping the characters basically the same. They're giving them a little bit of a, a reskin and like an update in the graphics and everything, but I think one thing that it's selling me on is the story mode. When um if did you guys watch BlizzCon at all? I did not. So um in your in your spare time after the pod, go and watch the um trailer for the story mode because it, it looks so damn good. I mean, and like I'm just so hyped for that because like Overwatch didn't have like a a story mode at all. And I feel like giving the gamers to actually have like that opportunity to play through like an Overwatch story seems really cool. It's a good it's a good strategy and a good idea. Oh yeah, that I'm, you guys know I'm sort of a campaign type that we talked about with Call of Duty and that's sort of my bread and butter when it comes. It it feels like a little bit more connection factor with the actual game. Like you sort of understand what's going on with it. You understand what the characters are, like what is their deal. Like when I hopped on Overwatch um past couple weeks, like first playing it, you know, all these characters I had no idea who they were, like what their skills were. Obviously, I learned that after a while, but you don't feel as much of a connection, at least to me, uh, with it. You'd, you're just like, oh, okay, I use this character because I play well with them. Not like, oh, I like this character because, you know, her story's good or whatever. That's just me, personally, but it, it I'm very excited for the um, hero mode or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, Brendan, you got any thoughts on Overwatch? Do you play Overwatch at all? I don't, but um, forgive my ignorance. Is this more of a Fortnite Chapter 2 kind of deal, or is it a completely separate game, $60, Overwatch yeah, 2? Yeah, completely new, Overwatch really? 2. Yeah. Interesting. They're, they're adding a few new modes when it comes to actually like multiplayer online. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least what I read. Um, and then also adding in that Heroes campaign mode um like tim said reskinning and everything like that so it it, it's i definitely would not call it a Fortnite chapter two in my eyes what do we got to do to have you play overwatch i mean i would if i wasn't addicted to call of duty right now Ooh, that's a good topic call of duty i want to talk about call of duty steve hasn't played it yet you should i would love the campaign tim said that i could play it off of his xbox uh i'm still yet to do so but have you played um, COD 4 campaign, Modern Warfare 2 campaign, Modern Warfare 3 campaign, Steve? I haven't played since Modern Warfare 2. So mm-hmm. it, it's been a minute. Um, I think I, I had one of the Black Ops games. I might have played a little bit of the campaign, but you know it was a while ago. I mean, Black Ops has nothing to do with this game. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, but that's like the last game I played actually touch from call of duty i think one thing that's really cool about the new cod is it i like how that's like a soft reboot of the universe because that that gives them a lot more to do 
I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't played any of the last Modern Warfare games in the last 10 years, but, like, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, like, with Soap, for example, when, like, he dies at the end of Modern Warfare 3, so, like, it's going to be, and, for example, Ghost. Ghost dies at the end of Modern Warfare 2, so, like, what is going to happen? Because I, I think it's really, really cool to see all of, like, these, like, especially the ending part with the, when they're drinking tea. With the with the lady and then Captain Price says like his team, like that is just so cool. It gave me the chills watching that and like playing through that because I know what to like almost what to expect in the next game and I'm just so hyped for it. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little let down with how much time, um, how how long the campaign was. It was a little short in my opinion yeah, compared I, I to past cuts, but I I do feel like that they took all that time that they would have devoted to campaign and put it into multiplayer. Um, which I don't know if you're a multiplayer guy. I am. Yeah. Very excited for this huge update re revamp of the whole multiplayer later this week or what something is like that? that. I didn't hear you haven't heard of that. They're they're basically overhauling the entire game. Thank all, God. All the things that you were complaining about. I'm complaining about a lot of stuff. Yeah. You're it, damn right. That's that's great because I've I've listened to him complain twenty four seven about every single map issue, every single gun issue, okay. just twenty four seven. Let me guess one. The shotgun. The sniper shotgun. Yeah, the sniper shotgun. They're going to fix that. <laughs> Damn right they better. <laughs> also, um, every map sucks. Yeah. Um, though I think the worst map ever created in Call of Duty is Euphrates Bridge. No, no doubt in my mind. I totally agree with you. However, there's a leaked list of 36 DLC maps. I saw that. You saw that? Mm -hmm. Crash, Rust, my two favorites. Yeah, honestly, just like, Delete all the all the maps from the game right now and just put old maps in because that would be the greatest game ever. It'd be like Call of Duty Online. Yeah. Um, what was another thing? The last three days I've explicitly played gunfight with my friends in private mm -hmm. matches. Yep. My friend uh, Jason, he listens to the pod, a loyal podcast listener. Shout out Jason. He created like a spreadsheet of like so it's just really just the four of us that play four of my friends. And um, we we have like a spreadsheet of wins and losses and Katie and all that. And it's just so cool to keep track of because the, obviously the game and private match doesn't keep track of that stuff. Right. So I think it's cool. What are your thoughts on the multiplayer currently? Currently as it stands, I mean, like you said, there's there's definitely problems. And I think, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody that is a Call of Duty veteran waits for Christmas noobs to show up. And I think, I think once that happens and once this reboot happens, um, that it it will get better, and like you said, I've been playing gunfight too because I've been completely sick of these these regular maps, these six v six maps, and and ground war's been all right, uh, but two v two has been where I've been sitting, and it's it's really fun, honestly. Well, the only map in ground war is the good one is the quarry one. That's yeah. it. Like I, <laughs> we always, whenever my friends and I play, we either play ground war or gunfight. We we had been playing ground war until we realized how fun gunfight was. Mm -hmm. So. All we would do is just camp at sea, and it's just like a massive firefight yeah. over the sea bridge. Mm -hmm. If anybody who's listening to the podcast knows what we're talking about, then you know. Steve, shut your mouth because you don't know anything. Uh, I, I've watched you play. I don't know personally the maps, but I've watched you play. I Actually, you made me play for you when you did laundry the other day. That's true. And I did get three kills. I was absolutely surprising, just saying. Well, I mean, the map is the size of the earth. 
I don't remember what map it was on. You literally, run a, you literally run a damn marathon. Yeah. No, I mean, both maps. Both maps, yeah. You literally run a marathon running across the track, like across the map. It sucks. Unless you get in the tall building first, in which case you're good. Yeah. Um, you sit there all What day. we would do sometimes is we would have a, a helicopter, and we would just fly around building to building yep. and just hover above the building and shoot the snipers off the roof. And then we would... It was, it, it's fun, but it's a bit tedious. Yeah, especially sure. with the maps, and you get sick of the maps, and then, like, I'm gonna go back to the Euphrates Bridge because I hate it with a passion. But like, the snipers that sit on the bridge or sit in like the back of the map are literally the bane of my existence. Like, I ju- I just can't do it. Euphrates Bridge with TDM, bearable. Euphrates Bridge with Dom, awful. I leave immediately. It's yeah. What what's one that we always whenever the map comes up we leave. Oh, it is Euphrates. It's Euphrates Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, whenever we. (laughs) Sorry, we're ragging on Euphrates Bridge, but I had a lot of stuff to talk about with this map. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way. Yeah. If you don't, then you you sit in the bush or on the bridge. Yeah. Or you like uh, that little dirt pile. Yeah. Right. mm -hmm, Right with the tubes. Yeah. 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 Under the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. You sit there or you uh, you lay in between the tubes and you wait for people to walk by. You're raising my blood pressure. Right Literally, now. yeah. My blood pressure is high all the time, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so that is a tough one. Tough uh, one. Can we uh, jump back with Overwatch? I did have a point that I wanted to bring up uh, real quick. Sure, Steve. Um, so we've talked about the games that we actually play at Nichols, um, you know, with Rocket League, League, uh, Hearthstone, all the games like that, uh, NBA. And we've talked about here, especially, I feel like we've talked about Overwatch joining those and becoming that fifth very soon. And we feel like it's, it's one of those games that creates the sort of bridge in between first-person shooters and collegiate gaming. Um, recently, up- updates for the school, there is a huge, like, not huge, but a pretty good following when it comes to overwatch here and there are people that do want to play it and they actually are taking action and going and meeting with like the president or the board or whatever it is and they're actually going to talk to them sort of pitch the idea for overwatch to be here and possibly be here next semester as well um any any thoughts on that uh yeah i i think that it's definitely a good bridge game to uh come to the school at least because if you think about it, we've had this discussion before. Overwatch is one of those games that is on the edge of first-person shooter or whatnot. We can go back and forth. Like, of course, obviously, it's a first-person shooter, but at the same time, it's not uh, like a a bloody game. Like, there's no blood at all. It's rated T for God's sake. Like, if that that's like a big thing because like. If you bring it up to like the president that it's a it's a rated T game and she actually like looks at it and sees like what it is, then she I think I think she'd come around to it. But um, I mean it's all up to her and obviously respecting her decision and whatever she does. But I think it would be a good um, a good game to bridge the gap between a first person shooter as well as like a a game that is suitable for college students. Yeah, and I th- I think. Like you said, I think the biggest thing right now is exposure. Getting getting these people that make these big decisions to either play the game or watch the game and, and realize what it's about and with Overwatch realize that it's it's a cartoon. 
I mean, come on. Ultimately, yeah, it is a cartoon at yeah. the end of the day. It, they were, th- at one point in time, I think they were. there was a possibility for Fortnite. And just based on the fact that it was a cartoon, like, you know, it's not real or whatever. It, it's not technically a first-person shooter, which, you know, it can be considered. I just say it's a first-person it's shooter. first-person shooter. Um, yeah. And just looking at the concept through that eyes, they tried getting Overwatch actually before any of this really started, like just for the base talking about the game. Um, but they sort of shut it down right away just on the fact that we don't want any gun-type games. And now I think seeing that there is a following in general for esports on campus, that it makes it a little bit easier for the people that are in charge of this to be like, okay, like we'll, we'll think about it. We'll entertain the idea. And as far as I know, um, one of the kids, Jared, which I'm, I'm actually hoping that we can get on the podcast to talk a little bit about Overwatch. I believe he's on the team as well for either Hearthstone or League. I saw him this past weekend here for League. Um, but I, I'm hoping that we could possibly get him in and get him talking about either what he's going to say or what he did say and like what the reaction was to it. I think um, ultimately there is an after market, after college market for Overwatch because like it's the, it's the league that's franchised. Out of all of this, I mean, League of Legends is franchised, yes, but it's not like city-based franchising like Overwatch and now the newly formed Call of Duty League. Like, there's a market for Overwatch as a profession after school. Like, and I think that especially for like uh, universities, it's it's perfect for students to leave school having played Overwatch for four years. Let's say, granted. It's a lot different versus like a forty-man football roster versus a five-man Overwatch roster. Six-man, I don't know how many. Six. Yeah, it's I think six. It's, six. it's it's two per. It's two tank. You know. Okay. Yeah. All that yeah. yeah all right. Um, and then, it's. I think it's just a, the perfect thing. Like if people, it's almost like I brought it up before, like a draft. I mean, obviously, we. I've said that before. That I don't think that's going to happen. But I think it's something to look, to look at, and almost treating college esports and overwatch more specifically as like a feeder to franchise leagues which i mean that that could also come down from those franchise leagues creating like the quote-unquote g league d league whatever you want to call it um where they can actually file say like you know dallas area has all the team all the schools that are in texas that they can file and talk to and like bring them in, coach them, whatever it is, and create that sort of aspect, which would be really, really cool. Really, really interesting. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to talk about one more topic and we can wrap it up real quick. Um, so there's an esports arena coming to Nashville. And I know, Steve, you found an article about it also going to Kansas City as well. So, I mean, I think that this is a, a sign of things to come in many other cities across America and across the world, basically. Which, I mean, I think that other places have had esports arenas set up already. Like, I know in Cologne, they have an esports arena. And in Katowice, they do. But, like, I think that the U.S. is finally now getting involved, which is almost like the idea of it has come full circle. Because, like, before, video games had really just been, like, a European thing. 
and like an, an Asian Pacific thing. And now that the U.S. is kind of taking to it, I think that almost completes like esports as a mainstream event around the world. Yeah, I mean, um, isn't Becker building an arena as well? They're hoping to. I don't know what's to. going on with that. Really, I haven't looked into gotcha. all the details. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's been mostly a Eastern kind of deal. Like when I think I think I saw a video like two years ago or something, and it was about um, China's influx of gaming high schools and how it's literally just shaping these children to be professional gamers. And I thought it was crazy. I was like, wow, that's, that's insane. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know along with you know the Kansas City and Nashville expansion, they're also creating one which in Philly directly in line with every single major sports team in Philly. Like it has a whole huge parking lot and everything. Like that's where um, Wells Fargo is, Citizens Bank, and um, can't remember what the Eagles Stadium is called, but it's straight in that parking lot. And to me, that sort of also says like, hey, like it's a major thing too. Obviously, Philly is very, very populated, and the fact that it doesn't have much room for a stadium like that, and that's you know a plot of land that it can put it on, but it's also saying like, hey, like. We consider this a thing. Um, and something that's also been talked about on campus here, I'm pretty sure I talked about yesterday with you, Tim, um, hockey stadium here. Uh, they really want that. Like, we're big into hockey. Like, hockey team's pretty good. And they really want that because, you know, it's, it's like 45-hour drive to get to where they play. And they play at a high school. Granted, it's, it's a pretty good facility. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a nice facility. But, you know, driving that, far out like we get a pretty good poll for the amount of fans that we get but they want it you know get it on yeah. campus like have collectively with the campus atmosphere and we're trying to actually push our name in there with esports as well like the uh charles and dave the head coaches want to see if they can get some poll like hey if you're going to create a stadium for hockey why don't we have it adaptable for other things, you know, possibly esports, putting in monitors and stuff and having an actual crowd for that as well. Right. Kind of like a Mohegan Sun deal. Yeah. They just switch out whatever's on the floor. Definitely. And even I didn't even think of that until just now. I think that Connecticut, it would be a perfect place to have it either at the Mohegan Sun or the Foxwoods having like an esports arena there. That would be pretty cool. That would be fantastic because that's I know, my hometown. So. I know, Steve, you just said 45 hours, and I know you meant 45 minutes. Did I say 45 hours? Yeah, you did. <laughs> wow. I was going to correct you on it I, right I, away. But I, I thought I was having a done. good Tuesday, but I guess not. Nope, because you said 45 hours. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's a long crazy. time. That is a long time. And I, I think with Nashville doing this and also Kansas City, it kind of opens up the door for new cities to come into these leagues because i think ultimately what what is going to do i mean granted it's going to take a little bit longer and this is almost like when other leagues started up like for example like the mlb how many teams did they have when they first started like not as many yeah like what 15 maybe 10 so and it's kind of like these leagues right now like they have like 10 to 15 teams and i think that it's going to start to grow into every major market in the united states i mean the one difference obviously ob- like obvious is that like London and Paris have these teams in the U.S. competing in these United States-based leagues? So 
that is something that will have to be adjusted. I mean, I I don't want to like push that envelope a little bit too much because it's tough to find markets for those teams, especially in the EU. So if they kind of want to compete in the U.S., if esports ultimately wants to become a like a an, an NFL or an MLB with 32, 30 teams, that is something that would have to be looked into, especially for like versus home and away stuff because that can get expensive. Yeah, I mean, just think about it in the fact that in like I think it was like probably around the two thousands, late nineteen nineties, that the Rays and um the Diamondbacks were like created. There were still teams in the MLB being created at that point in time. Like it's not a small process. Like it's not quick. It's not gonna adapt very, very soon. It's gonna take a little while. First and foremost, like we know, they need a governing body for the whole yeah. thing. Which, you know, time time's ticking and that's what's gonna be make or breaks probably. But, you know, esports on the way. Yeah, I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on for the next 10 to 15, 20 years or so. Sure. All right. So I guess that wraps up episode five of the Nichols College Esports podcast from Tim, Steve, and Brendan. We'll see you next week.